Hi everyone and welcome to SAMA, a weekly program which invites an expert each week to discuss a topic from their area of expertise. And this week we are delighted to have Katina Macris to discuss how she won her battle against Lyme. Katina is a well-renowned certified classical homeopath and certified spiritual healer whose story is a testimony to courage and resilience. She has worked in healthcare as a classical homeopath and intuitive healer for over 30 years. Katina is calling us to promote Lyme and chronic disease awareness. Her passion is to ignite the mind-body spiritual healing pathway available in all of us. She teaches at great institutions such as Omega, Rose Centre, Sporting Rehab, Art of Living and the Gulf. I hope I've said that correctly. Katina has given over 170 presentations in five years and is now America's leading spokesman for Lyme disease. Welcome to our show, Katina. It's fantastic to be with us. Oh, thank you, John. It's my delight to be with you and to all of our um, listeners around the globe, right? Right, right. Well, Facebook's got to reach everywhere. Yes, it's wonderful. Thank you for having me on. And um, we have lots to share um, in the next hour together. Great, great. Now, the, the question that's on everybody's mind, I guess, is your personal story. What happened in your life? How did you get Lyme and how did you overcome it? Yes, um, so um, for, for those of you um, that are um, listening, I uh, was residing in the northeastern part of the United States up in an area called New Hampshire, which is up north of Boston. Beautiful area. I'd moved up here in 1991 um, as a homeopath. I wanted to live close to the land, a uh, holistic lifestyle with my big organic garden, the free range chickens, the sheep, um, and my beautiful border collie that took care of them all. And I had a beautiful practice, a family practice um, with homeopathic medicine. I, I helped our community and um, all the families raise their children with these beautiful um, natural medicines, whether it was poison ivy or the flu or bronchitis or mm-hmm. asthma, you know, that was a general healthcare practice. And yes. I was always the picture of health. I always um, have been a very healthy individual. I was the only child in my third grade class, never to miss a day of school for illness. I've always been an athlete and outdoors all the time um, in all seasons of the year. And so this takes us back to the year 2000. So that's 19 years ago now. And it was a summer day. It was June 21st, uh, 2000. I was outside uh, playing with my little three-year-old boy. Um, And I remember we were playing baseball in the yard and having a picnic. Beautiful summer day. And um, that evening I had a, um, a, a wake, a funeral to attend. And when I was there, I started feeling extremely dizzy and I started breaking out in a sweat and a vicious headache started setting in on my head and the back of my neck. And I thought, oh boy, what's going on? Am I coming down with a cold or a flu? Did someone in my office have one of these summertime flus? So I leave, I get in the car and I'm starting to tremble, John, and I have terrible body pain starting very quickly. And I'm feeling nauseous and a sore throat. And by the time I get in the house, um, I say to my then husband, I was married at the time, 
I said, oh boy, I'm coming down with a horrible summertime flu. This is hitting me fast, like within an hour. And he says, well, take your remedies and, you know, load up on your supplements. So I started taking zinc and echinacea and I took a homeopathic remedy. It's wonderful for influenza called gelsimium. It's made from a, a beautiful flower called the jasmine. And that usually will knock out one of these summertime flus that has the neck ache and the the, the frontal headache and the, the sweats and everything. I climb into bed and I figure, okay, I'll sweat it out during the night. I'm loaded up on all my, my natural medicine and I don't feel well in the morning. I feel very weak. My, mm. Everything feels heavy. My arms, everything are extremely heavy. And I, you know, I, I try to get up. I really can't. I, I call into the office and I, I let my assistant know. I said, I'm, I think I've got a bad flu. I don't think I can make it in today. I said, could you cancel the clients for the day, for the patients? And she said, sure. Well, wouldn't you know, John, three days later, I was even worse. I was so weak, but I, I, I get into the office anyway, and my business associate is a medical doctor. So I'm a homeopathic physician, but our clinic also had a medical doctor. And I said to him, Tom, I said, I don't feel well. I said, this feels like malaria when I was a teenager in Africa. I'd gotten malaria way back as a teenager. I said, I've got these sweats coming on and off. I've got these chills. And it just has that feeling like I had when I had malaria. And he says, well, let me give you an exam. Gives me an exam, does blood pressure, et cetera, everything. He says, you know, Katina, I don't like your blood pressure. It's very low. He says, I don't like your coloring. He says, you definitely have swollen lymph nodes. He says, go get in bed. I'll take some blood work from you. And he says, in the next couple of days, we should figure this out. And he gave me a shot of colloidal silver, yes. you know, which is a good natural antimicrobial. And we yes. loaded me up on some more herbs and some homeopathics. And he says, I want you to stay in bed for a couple of days. I'm, I'm, you're strong. You've always had a great constitution. I'm, sh I'm sure you're going to be fine. It sounds like maybe it could be sinusitis or something since you're so dizzy. So okay, so I got in bed, and I'm weak anyway, and I have a little three-year-old and a 10-year-old stepdaughter, adorable. My husband, however, is an international businessman, and he travels all around the world. Like every other week, he'd be gone. He'd be off to Bruges, or he'd be down to Brazil, or he'd be over to Mexico or Chicago or whatnot. Anyway, I get back into the uh, office a couple days later, and the blood work, um, suggests there's a slightly elevated white blood cell count, which does suggest bacterial infection. And uh, the doctor also says to me, you know, you're very dehydrated. He says, I think that's why you're so weak. And he says, with the dizziness, he says, I, I think it's an upper respiratory infection. This probably is sinusitis. And I said, Tom, wait a second. Like, I've never had anything like this. You know me. I'm like as hardy as they come. I've never had bronchitis, pneumonia, strep, an ear infection. Like, this doesn't make sense. He says, well, you know, with that elevated white blood cell count, you know, you have picked up a little bacterial something. He says, here, and he gave me some more herbals. And he says, wouldn't you know, he was leaving on vacation the next day for two weeks. He says, listen, I'm going to leave you a backup dose a week of amoxicillin at the, at the pharmacy just in case you need it, but I'm sure you're going to be fine. You're, you always come through things quickly. He did not run a Lyme disease test. This was in the year 2000. That's 19 years ago. And they never thought about it up here in the very northern part of the United States because I'm only four hours to Canada. That's how north I am. 
they thought right. Lyme disease was more down New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island, you know, the middle part of the United States, where, they, where it's more mild, where the, these little insects, you know, the tick that carries them, they live in that environment. Up here, there's so much snow in the winter, it's up to your waist. So we never really had much of an incidence with the, with the tick population. Right. Anyway, to cut to the chase, John, I am very weak, very sick. Now I have heart palpitations. I have like the left side of my face almost felt like I had a stroke. Like I had this palsy, palsy sensation with a little bit of a drooping of my mouth. Wow. And my limbs are trembling now. And so I said, I better take that antibiotic. This is pretty severe. I take the antibiotic. It doesn't do a thing. It doesn't touch anything. And I end up going to um, a different physician, an on-call doctor. And they don't know what to make of me. And I'm so weak. I can't barely get in the door. You know, my husband's got me like, you know, supported by the arms to get me in. And they don't know what to make of me. And they said, you know, if you're this weak, Katina, it must be walking pneumonia. I said, walking pneumonia, what are you talking about? I don't even have a cough. I don't even have a sniffle. Or, I mean, I had a sore throat, but I don't, I don't even have a cough or anything. I did a chest x-ray. There was no signs of walking pneumonia. But they said, well, it's probably viral pneumonia. Just get in bed and rest for six weeks. You'll be better. I said, what? I can't do that. I've got like a huge practice. I've already canceled a week of work. And my husband's overseas and he's leaving tomorrow for overseas. I've got a three-year-old. I just can't get in bed for six weeks. Well, I was in bed for more than six weeks. And I end up having to call my father to come help from New York. He has big businessman. This man's an international, you know, Greek shipping magnet. Like, but he, bless his heart, comes and he stays with me for a few days. And he's giving me a pep talk. And he says, come on, sweetheart. You're a macros. We're tough. We're northern Greeks. We're from the Black Sea. We're the toughest of them all. You can pull through this. All those things that they, they, I had, all the dengue fever and malaria and jungle rot and double bronchitis pneumonias. He goes, you can pull through this. Come on. You can pull through. I said, okay. Uh, you're right. I'm strong. I'll get through. Well, honestly, John, by the end of the summer, the most I could do was like empty the dishwasher or make a sandwich. I was so weak. And it was very, very upsetting for me because I had a huge homeopathic practice. I was like one of the leading homeopaths in the country. I helped write the national exam for seven years. And so I had a huge practice and I'm calling homeopaths from different states to you know, help me. I'm sending you know, patients off to see other homeopaths because I, I can't function. So anyway, um, I end up um, to keep the story not too long. Um, I actually should have brought my books to show you all, but my beautiful memoir oh. called Out of the Woods, Healing Lyme Disease, Body, Mind, and Spirit details um, my story. And it's, I wrote it in the, in the first person, so it reads like a novel. It won two awards. It's also an audible for people that are cognitively impaired and are not able to read because of a Lyme or autoimmune diseases. So I have it in audio. That was one of my wishes because I, I struggled. So that whole autumn, like the next six months to come, I was barely able to function. And I, I was in and out of hospitals and doctor's offices and emergency rooms and cardiologists and neuro 17 neurologists. 
and all that they could find. And I, and at one point I'm in there saying, I, this is leukemia, this must be thyroid disease. So something's made, how could a 42 year old, the picture of health, who has lived an organic lifestyle for over 20 years, yoga since I was 20, organic food since I'm 22, holistic living, I haven't had a, like a drug in 20 years. How could I just deteriorate like this so quickly? I mean, something's going on. And I had this feeling like in my neck and in my shoulders that I said like was like a germy feeling. I used to say to the physician, I feel like, I feel like there's this germy feeling like in my neck, like, like almost like bugs. And they all thought I was a nut. You know, they're thinking, oh boy, this woman, she's got emotional problems. I heard everything. So the only thing they could find was an elevated level of a virus that some of you know about called Epstein-Barr virus, which is one of the culprits to chronic fatigue syndrome or ME. So they gave me that diagnosis that I had chronic fatigue syndrome. And I'm thinking, wait a second. I treat this in my office all the time. I can get people through Epstein-Barr virus. This is, for me, not, not that hard to, to treat. So now I try to start treating the Epstein-Barr. I also have some of my best homeopaths in the world from India, from London, that were my teachers trying to help me, right, with this chronic fatigue syndrome. And no one's really making much progress with me. We get me better for like a week, and then I slip back down again. And now everything's happening. I'm having anxiety attacks. I'm having sleeplessness. I can't sleep a wink. Um, I have terrible muscle pains, like fibromyalgia pains. And wow. we're almost, you know, we we're well into the winter now. The snows are deep. They're up to the windowsills. And I go visit my dad um, down in Florida. He had a beautiful condominium down in, in, uh, on the beach in Florida. And I spent a whole month. I take the, my little boy, my three-year-old, we spent a whole week and I felt so much better with the sunshine and the vitamin D and the sea salts by swimming in the ocean. And I thought, oh man, I kicked it. I finally kicked it. I did it. I felt so much better. And I called my husband and I said, I'm, I think I beat it. I think I beat this virus out and I'm coming back home. I'm coming up north. He says, fantastic. The flowers are blooming. We're all waiting for you. And so I come back north and it lasts all of about a month, John. And I go slinking way back down again. I'm crashed out into bed, extremely exhausted. I can't function. And now no one knows what to make of me. And over the next four years, I spent three of them in bed. And it, it was decimating. And during this time, you can imagine emotionally, I really started to fracture. Because, you know, how much of this, you know, confusion and um, sickness and loneliness and isolation can you handle? And, you know, you can imagine now I've lost my homeopathic practice. I had to give all those beautiful patients away that I had for 20 years to other practitioners. Uh, so my income now was, you know, zero. Where my husband was working, but the marriage is now in tough shape after four years of this it was very, very difficult, oh, very hard on the marriage. Um, and my, my children, you know, they're, they're growing up and doing well, but I felt so guilty that I couldn't come to a school function. I couldn't go to a play or go see them play, you know, soccer on the field. And it was a very hard for me emotionally. And so my spirit broke. 
And um, it was a terrible feeling to just be lying on your sofa week after week, month after month. And I was getting sicker and sicker. I could barely make it to the you know, shower without help. And um, no one had any answers. And this, I'm about to tell you a very pivotal piece of this story, um, which has spawned my newest book that's coming out. Um, so it was, it was, again, it was a day in June. It's five years later now. It was June 2005. so sick for five years my marriage is broken um i've lost it all i'm living you know just on a shoestring and um i'm i am dying you know what i mean i'm slowly losing my life force and um my heart is very irregular and i heard in one of the offices when i was in i overheard one of the doctors saying to the nurse she's so critical I, I would say she's got about a 10% chance of survival. Like I heard that, you know, and the, the doctor talking to the nurse. And it frightened me when I heard that, you know, but I didn't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. So I'm lying on my sofa and I had a very bad day and I called my dad. He was in his 80s. He was a very strong man. And I called him. I was crying. And I said, Daddy, I don't think I can make it. I, I really feel like I'm dying. I don't think... I can hold on any longer. My body's giving out and my, my spirit, it's so weak. And he said, sweetheart, you've got to pull through this, honey. You've got to use the power of your mind. You've got to use your mind. I don't, you, this, what is, if God gave you a mind, it's your job to use it. They left me for dead in the Philippines in World War II. I pulled through. They told me I was going to die when I had 18 embolisms. I pulled through. I had that terrible car wreck and I had all that internal hemorrhaging and they said I wouldn't make it through the night. I pulled through. He says, you have to believe, honey. You have to believe. He says, dig down into your heart. You have to believe. And I said, okay, daddy, I'm trying, I'm trying, but you know what? You don't really know what to do, John. So I'm lying on the sofa after I hang up with him and I was just praying really hard. I'm like, okay, I, I got it. I, I'm, I've got, he said, oh, my dad said to me, honey, you've got that beautiful little boy to raise. Only you know how to give him the tender, loving care that he needs. He says, please, sweetheart, use your will. You've got to live. You've got to raise that little boy. So I'm lying on the sofa and I'm praying and I'm holding on with all my will. And with that, in, in my mind, in my forehead, I, I see a picture and, and I feel myself, I feel my heart stopping. Like the beating goes slower and slower and slower. And I feel myself lifting out of my body. And in my forehead, I see this image, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving my body, right? So I'm outside of my body and I'm looking down now on my own self. And I see myself lying on the sofa with my, my long brown hair draped down and I see how weak I am and I, I feel very sorry for my own self out of my mm-hmm. body looking in. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh my gosh, wow, look at how sick you are. Like, how did you get this weak? And with that, I start floating above my house, above the trees, and I, I'm floating towards a neighboring little town. I live up in the hills and I'm heading towards a little village and I'm floating away from my house, away. And with that, I I feel something off to my right. 
and I look over to the side to my right and there's this very, very beautiful, grand, huge eagle, a big bird, a bald eagle with the white head. Mm-hmm. And I look, I, I, I see this eagle off to my side and he slips like right under me. So now I'm like stretched out, if you can imagine, like, so my arms are stretched out on the, on the wings of the eagle. Mm-hmm. And I have this feeling like the eagle starts to communicate with me. And the eagle says to me, Katina, he says, I am your ally. I am your spirit guide. He said, uh, you have been tested. You have faced a time of great adversity. He said, you, you, have, you are being called upon. You have mastered the trickery of the mind and the demons of emotions. And if you can let go of your fear, he said, and trust your intuition, I will guide you. And you will overcome this illness and you will heal 100% and you will touch the lives of millions. But you need to have faith and you need to believe in yourself and you need to believe in my presence. I'm a messenger and I am a guide from the spirit realm. And if you can trust in me and you can trust in your own tuition, you will heal. And I didn't know what to do, John. This was like a supernatural for me, right? But I didn't have anything else, right? What else did I have? I, I, I was dying. And so I, I just nodded yes to the eagle. And with that, I start soaring with the eagle. And we, we fly like over my favorite lake that we swam at and we flew over my other house that I used to live before and we flew over the clinic that I worked at and we circle around this big you know area that I lived in and I see this nest and I see a little baby eagle in it and our shadow sweeps over it and I realize oh wow that's the baby of this eagle like you know I'm having this whole like psychic communication with this eagle and the eagle said says to me as we pass over the nest and I, and I recognize it as this baby. He says, or maybe it's a she eagle. I don't know. I never really knew if it was a male or a female, but the eagle says, just as I'm raising this little one, you now have to, you have to nurture and care for yourself. And I said, okay, okay. And with that, the eagle flies towards my home and I fall back in my body. And bam, when I land back in my body, it hurt like crazy, like everything, every bone, my head, my hair, everything hurt. Like, and I kind of like jerked awake or I don't know what I, what, what it was. I said, what on earth was that? Was that like a dream or was that like a shamanic journey or did I talk to an angel? Like, I don't know what happened. What was that? Uh, I didn't know what to make of it, but it was very real to me. And so with that, my heart's beating normally now. It's not, you know, before it was fading away, but now I could feel it was beating normally. And I, I rest for a minute and I, I kind of doze off. And when I wake up, I don't know, I don't know how long later it was, I had this instinct. And the instinct was I needed to get to my office upstairs, which was over with a garage, And I needed to get to this homeopathic book uh, on neurology. Some of the best homeopaths in the world are out of India. 
and they're very good clinical homeopaths and they're very good. They have all kinds of, you know, conditions that they treat. And the message, the instinct was, Oh, Katina, get to that book, that book on neurological homeopathic neurological medicine. And I had thought I had a neurological disease that they hadn't picked up yet. You know, I had thought I had MS or ALS and they just hadn't picked it up. So I said, okay, I uh, got to get to that book. So I have to crawl on my hands and knees. And I had this cute little dog at the time, a a, a little young Welsh Corgi, you know, those little um, (laughs) short, but adorable. He's like right on my heels. Like where? He said, mommy, where? I like, where's mommy going? Like mommy never leaves the sofa. And now the Corgi's following me. Like I'm crawling up the stairs. I get up there to the bookcase. I get the book out off the shelf. And as I pull it off of the shelf and I open it, the, I land on the inscription page. And it says, to one homeopath from another, may your life be filled with blue skies, health, and happiness. And it was from one of my dear colleagues. And I said, oh, my gosh, Dr. Jeff, why didn't I think of him before? Like we used to share difficult cases with each other. When I had a tough case, I'd I'd send my patient to him and vice versa. If he had one that was struggling, he'd send them to me. Like we shared. I said, what's wrong with me? He'll know what to do with me. So I tuck the book under my arm. I crawl back down. I get on the sofa. The dog's like, what's going on? I get on the phone and I call Dr. Jeff's office and I get his, his receptionist who I'd known for a number of years. And I, I said, I'm so sick. I've been so, she goes, where, where have you been? We haven't talked to you in years. I said, I've been so sick. I said, so sick. I've been stuck in bed for years. They think I have chronic fatigue syndrome, but I think it's something much worse. I says, does Dr. Jeff have any room for me? And usually it's like two, three months to get into him. She says, Katina, she said, I just got a cancellation about half an hour ago. She says, wow. it was when I was out of my body, right? And she said, can you come in two weeks? I said, yes, I'll be there. So I had a friend take me because it was a couple hours away, about an hour and a half away drive. And I have to lie with the seat back and the pillows because I'm weak. I'm in wheelchair, everything. So I get to Dr. Jeff's office. My friend wheelchairs me in. And I'm so thrilled to see him, you know, dear colleague and friend for 20 some odd years. And he, he says, Katina, what, what, this, what, tell me your story. You've always been the picture of health. And I, I start to share and I'm about 20 minutes in, I'm crying. And he says, Katina, this is neurological Lyme disease. Wow. I said, what? No, 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 Jeff. I've been tested three times because even though I wasn't tested that first summer, John, during all the next five years, they did run the Lyme disease test, but I always got a negative. And, you know, people that know about Lyme disease now, at the time I didn't know this, but I learned quickly, that test, this test that they use, that's called an ELISA, E-L-I-S-A, it's only good for a brand new infection, like in the first two months. After that, your antibodies shut down and you don't show up with a positive result. So I said, but Jeff, I've had three negatives. He said, let me see your papers. I had like a stack, you know. He says, Katina, this test is very faulty. It's 70% inaccurate. We need to use a specialty lab out of California, and I want to back it up with another one out of, out of Florida. So we're going to get a double, double testing on you. Right. I said, do whatever you need, anything. And so sure enough, 
I came, I had the blood test done, uh, FedExed it in, and I went back to his office three weeks later, and he showed me the papers, and it was ultra positive, like you couldn't get more positive. So bless his heart, he discovered the uh, infection in me. It's a bacteria. It's a cousin to syphilis. For people that don't know about Lyme disease, it's a cousin to syphilis. It's a spirochete. It's a spiral shaped. It's like a corkscrew. It you get bitten by the tick, so it's like you get an immediate injection right into your bloodstream of this bacteria, and then it moves. It spirals its way from the bloodstream into the tissues and joints. And you know what it loves to eat? It feasts on fatty acids. So it's, it's going and it's looking for the fatty acids. So that's why it'll go to like the synovial linings of your joints and people show up with arthritic symptoms. Or in my case, it was eating the, the fatty acids on the, on, the, on the fascia of the muscles, which felt like that's fibromyalgia. And then it went on to the pericardium of my heart. That's why my heart was having such trouble. It was eating the pericardium layer. And then it finds its way into the spinal fluid and it hits the myelin and sheaths and it hits the brain. So that's why so many people get all of these, you know, nervous system conditions, MS, ALS, palsies, tremors, dementia. I had early onset dementia. I was a disaster. So I said to him, what are we going to do? I thought we were going to go on the IV antibiotics. He says, you know what, Katina, I'm not a big fan of the IV antibiotics. He said, it's only going to knock down a percentage of the infection. He says, this thing's way into your organs. And I I use a three-pronged approach. We open up the big organs of detoxification, liver, kidney, and spleen, which we'll do with homeopathic formulas and with herbs like milk thistle, berberry, these kinds of things. And he says, I'm going to get these organs cleansing because you've got, you're loaded with endotoxins. This organism releases ammonia. That's why we've got all that brain fog. It's an ammonia overload. So we used betonite clay and charcoal to soak up the ammonia. And then we used milk thistle to push it out. And then he says, you have so many damages that before I even go about killing these bugs, he goes, I've got to strengthen these parts of your body that are so weak. So he ran these specialty metabolic profile tests to find out where the damages are, which were a lot of my endocrine glands, like the adrenals, pituitary, thymus, thyroid, all of them had to be rebuilt, which we use nutritive supplements for, and herbs. And um, I had nervous system damage, as you can imagine. I had heart damage. I had no, like, no magnesium, no B vitamins. My gut was a wreck, you can imagine. The good bacteria, bad bacteria, everything was all imbalanced. So it took about six months to kind of clean me up and build me up. Um, and I was still on bed rest. And um, then he went in with antimicrobial herbs from the Amazon. And we started killing off the organisms with the antimicrobial herbs. The main one was cat's claw, which a lot of people have heard about. 85% successful in killing off this Borrelia organism. And then we used other ones too, like teasel root and Japanese knotweed. And then something I know that's very near and dear to you is that as I was recovering and I was gaining strength, the first year I was still on bed rest and then I slowly started to learn to walk again. And my little Welsh corgi was such a helper (laughs) because I put him on his leash and at first it was just out the back door of the house and around to the front door and in, you know, I just could do like a little 
circle and then down the road, one block, two blocks. Three, and you know, I kept working on it, the little, my little doggy and me. And um, I finally discovered the rice machine. I had known about it years ago when I was a new homeopath, way back in the 1980s. I'd known people going up to Canada for it because it was not FDA approved in the States, right? And they were going to Canada to use it for cancer treatments. Mm -hmm. So I was familiar with rice technology and I was thinking to myself, you know, I wonder if that rice machine would be helpful with this organism. So I hadn't been on the computer in two years because the screen would kind of blow out my brain, you know, the electromagnetic fields. And I just, I slipped on one day and I Googled Lyme disease and rife. And I found a couple of, you know, important documents and and literature, especially out of Europe and and Japan and Canada, of course. And it said it was successful. And so when I got, I had an appointment coming up with Dr. Jeff and I said to him, what do you think about the rife machine for me? You know, I, I know I'm making progress, but I sort of feel like I need something else. And he says, you know, Katina, do you remember Dr. So-and-so? I don't want to mention his name. He was an older uh, nutritionist that we admired uh, greatly who, who lived over on the coast. I said, yeah, what happened to him? I haven't seen him in years. He goes, well, he apparently retired to California, but really he has had Lyme disease but he recovered fully by using Rife technology. I said, really? I said, what about me? He says, yeah, let's see if we can find a loner machine for you and you can self-experiment with it. Mm -hmm. So he asked around through his friends, associates, et cetera, and a chiropractor had one and he let me borrow it for six weeks. And so I followed the manual, you know, as it comes with all those codes in there and the frequencies and, I read the thing like I was like uh, fascinated, you know, and um, it said to start first on the detox codes, which I did, and then just do four minutes a day on this code 26, which was for Borrelia, four days on, three days off, four days on, three days off. So I started it and about two, three weeks in, I'm feeling so much better. Like the brain fog's gone. My energy's picking up. I'm even like in the grocery store, which I couldn't handle all the fluorescent lights and everything. And I bump into one of my girlfriends in the grocery store and she's like, Katina, my God, you look fantastic. The lights back in your eyes. Like, how are you feeling? I said, you know, Judy, I said, honestly, the past couple of weeks, I'm starting to improve uh, significantly. And she says, have you changed your protocol? I said, yeah, I'm trying something new, but I didn't want to mention it because it's not FDA approved. I said, I'm trying something new. And she says, well, my gosh, you look great. I said, I feel much better. Well, I, I, had, I had also shared with my father about the rice. And he said to me, well, that makes total sense to me. He says, we're all energy beings. We're all, each one of us, I mean, we're, we're basically vibrational, right? He says, so obviously this makes sense to me. You're just using energy medicine to, uh, to attune your body. And that makes sense. He was also a big fan of homeopathy. So, you know, he was already on the same wavelength with me. So I have to give the machine back after six weeks. Right. So I give it back (laughs) and I'm doing great. I'm gardening, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm cooking again. I, I even made it to my son's little league game and, it was really, I was like, wow, this rice thing was fantastic. It really, such a plus. I gave it back and wouldn't you know, about a month later, 
I'm flat back out on the sofa. And I'm like, oh my God, I need the machine. I need the machine. So then I call my dad and I said, daddy. And he goes, what? I can tell by your tone of voice. What is it that you want to ask me for? And I said, daddy, you remember that Rife machine that I borrowed? He goes, yeah. I said, well, you know, I think I'd like to get one of my own because I really am deteriorating now that I gave it back. I'm back on the sofa again. He goes, no. He goes, you really? Are you that sick again? I go, yeah, I can't drive. I'm not cooking again. I'm back on the sofa. He goes, oh my God. He goes, well, how much do they cost? I said, well, new, are they about $2,500 US? And he said, I said, but I think I can get a used one because I, the, the Dr. Jeff knew where I could get a used one. I said, I think I get a used one for about $1,500. He says, all right, early Christmas, early birthday present, get it now. He says, your health is more important than anything. So we got the Rife, changed my life. I made a complete 100% recovery. I mean, it was a five-year journey in totality. I'm sorry, everyone, if it took me too long to tell you the story but it's an amazing successful story. I recovered 100%. It's nine years now. I'm completely well. As you heard in the intro, I speak all over the world, bringing help and healing and hope to everyone. I've taught at some of these major institutions, big conferences with some of the leading Lyme docs in the world. And everyone is all eyes and ears um, to, to really understand that rebuilding the body the way I did with Dr. Jeff's help, rebuilding all those damages and depletions is critical besides killing off the organism is rebuilding. And then I, I must say without a shadow of a doubt, tending to the spirit is just as important as tending to the body. And that's my new book that's coming now as I talk a lot about the spiritual side of my, of my illness and of my healing. Can we touch a bit more on that now? It's a very interesting. You know, it is. Uh, it is. Why, why is it so important? Well, you know, as we're, as we're a complete being, a human being, the human being um, is is a complete being, and, and you know, our our mind, our our heart, our body, our spirit, it's all entwined. And somewhere back in the middle of the 1900s, they medical science took away the emotional and mental aspects of, of a, someone's condition and decided to just do like physical doctoring to body parts. Yes. And as you know, uh, some of those old doctors from the 1920s and 1930s had a better grasp on, on the nature of, of human suffering. And uh, I remember our family physician that we had when I was a child was, was an older woman. She was, gosh, she must've been close to 80. And I, my mother loved her dearly. She was a, a beautiful doctor for our family. And I, I can remember her, I can hear her as I was a little girl. She'd have my mother put a mustard plaster on her chest or something for a cough. And she'd say, you know, something's upset her something upset her and she's she's holding grief in her chest that's why the illness has settled into her chest so let her cry it out find out why she's so sad what what it why is you know what's she holding what's she holding there's a reservoir in her lungs so what happened for me i mean that was just in the back of my mind what happened for me when i was on my healing journey 
you know, during the, the years with the Rife and everything, and I'm starting to make progress, I, I was getting physically stronger, but emotionally I would still cry a lot and I would feel alone a lot. And um, I had, you know, lost so many friends and I, uh, you know, I'd lost my, my sense of self, my confidence, because my identity had been stripped from me. You know, I'd been a world-class homeopath and now I was just hanging out in my pajamas, you know, yes. for years. And so my confidence was low and my, my esteem was low and I, I didn't really have an identity anymore for me at least. And, um, and I, you know, had a lot of despair for those many years, you know, and I, I realized, you know, how do you mend a broken spirit? Like, how do you do that? And I went again on the computer one day and I Googled, I said, how to mend a broken spirit. And I really couldn't find much, John. I just, no. I found some things of, of religious content, you know, but I, I didn't find anything of, of spiritual content. And I was really struggling with this high idea of how do I mend a broken spirit? And I had been listening to a lot of music and I'd always been meditating since I was like 20, 22. And I'd been in my meditations and I'd listened to my chanting music. And, but I, I still had a lot of sadness, a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow, a lot of, as I said, poor self-identity. And lo and behold, what came in the mail one day um, in my mailbox was a pretty little postcard with the beautiful images on the front of the beautiful flowers. And it was this gifted spiritual teacher that I had met several years before I'd gotten ill, Dr. Meredith Young Sowers. She had written a book I'd read years, years ago, like now it must be 30 years ago. It was called Agartha Journey to the Stars. And she had the experience way back then of being touched by, like I was touched by the eagle. She had been touched by a, a, a spiritual being that came through with automatic writing. And she kind of downloaded all of this like higher wisdom. And this book, Agartha, that I had read when I was in my 20s really like was very profound for me. It was like reading those Carlos Castaneda books. Like, um, you know, he, he did a, a lot of shamanic journeying. And I, I was pretty fascinated, you know, about this, idea that the, this, the, the whole spirit world is available to us, but how do we get there? So wouldn't you know in the mailbox is a postcard and she was having a, a retreat weekend. I said, oh my God, I have to go. So I call on the telephone and of course it's like three hours away and I'm still not driving, but I have my Rife machine, right? So I said, well, can I come? I'm not that strong, but, you know, if I could bring my yoga mat, you know, maybe I could lie down for part of the day. And they're like, yes, please come, Katina. This is a healing weekend. So a friend drives me. I bring the Rife machine, too, so I could have it in my room at night to go on the energy codes and the mental clarity codes. And um, so I go, and oh my gosh, it was just the most beautiful thing. She had the candles everywhere, and you know, we started the day with meditation, and basically she helped me understand that, like my father said, the power of the mind is incredibly important. And the way she framed it is really basically metaphysics, which is that all physical states have an emotional 
component to them besides the physical, physical component. And behind it all is really your spirit asking for, for support, for nurturance, for attention, for care. And so the weekend really opened my eyes and ears to this idea that the emotional side of suffering is just as important as the physical. So as the weekend was finishing, she came to me, Meredith, and she tapped me on the shoulder and she said, Katina, come here. I want to speak with you for a second. There was about a hundred of us there, or close to. I said, yes. And she said, um, I'd like you to come to my school. She said, I'd like to train you to become a spiritual healer. I said, me? Me? I'm like, I'm lying on the mat, like in the corner. She says, no, Katina. She says, you don't realize it, but you're very gifted. Your intuition is very, very strong. Because, you know, we'd been sharing. She'd had us doing exercises and you would speak out loud and share. She says, your intuition is extremely strong. And she says, you understand physiology because you're a homeopath. You understand all the organs and the systems of the body. She says, I, I teach a, a year-long certification program on mind-body-spirit medicine, on metaphysics. And she says, I think you're a perfect candidate. I said, I, I, me? Like, I was in shock. I said, I don't think I'm strong enough, Meredith. She goes, you, you're strong enough. She says, dear heart, you'll know when the time is right. I'm just telling you. I want to train you. I said, okay, I hear you. And I go, I mean, I felt like in awe, right? And so I go home and I don't know what to, by the time I get home, by the way, everything looks different to me, like the colors on the wall, the, the light coming through the windows. Like, you know, when you've gone, when you've gone through a catharsis like that, because I did a lot of crying that weekend and a lot of purging of my grief and my sorrow and my, that, all that self-confidence stuff. I mean, I, I was, you know, I was not a pretty picture, but thank God my classmates were also loving. And there was a lot of other people crying too. Um, and I came home and the, 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 the lighting coming through the windows and everything kind of like, it had like a newness to me, a freshness. So I sat with it for about a week and I said, you know what? I think she's right. I think it's only going to help me. It's only going to help me to learn how the emotions relate to these different organs. So sure enough, I signed up and um, I did the complete program with her. I was a class valedictorian and I learned um, I learned deeply from this very wise woman how different emotions seed themselves in different organs, like fears in the kidney, grief and sorrows in the lungs, right? Um, uh, like I was feeling like my confidence and everything had been so lost that sits in the gut. Your personal power and your confidence and your creative juices are all in the, in the GI tract. And your ability to move in the world and to manifest and create is the muscular system. So I, I, she, I, I'm just giving you the kind of the, the quick brush strokes here. You know, it's my, my second book, Autoimmune Illness and Lyme Disease Recovery Guide. I have a whole section devoted to all the autoimmune illnesses and Lyme disease and, and what organs are involved and what emotions are related to these organs and then we have healing exercises um so we engage different different exercises um to to invoke more energy shifts in this these areas that are impaired so for me it it was a life-changing event 
it was life-changing for me to, to come to realize that, like my father said, the power of the mind is, <laughs> is available to you. God gave you a mind. It's your job to use it wisely. And, and what, I, what I've really come to learn and why I've written my newest book, uh, Loving Yourself Enough to Live, Inspirational Messages from a Near-Death Survivor, um, I wrote this book for this very reason, which is self-love and self-nurturance is something that's gotten really brushed over, like in our culture. Like we take better care of our, of our pets, of our plants, of our cars, of our yards, of our, of our house than we do of our own spiritual self, you know, like. I feel like the world has gotten so accelerated. I don't know if you notice it, John, but everything is so fast these days. We're kind of double, double speed. And, and a lot of us have lost the Sabbath day. Or we've well, before, this is, this is a funny thing, you know. This is, we've obviously got some sort of connection together. Maybe we knew each other in our previous lives. Because <laughs> just, before, maybe just before this discussion, before you came on board, um, I mentioned how we've now lost... Saturday and Sunday. There's no such thing as a weekend anymore. And there was a day where we could do our own things. And I mentioned mowing the lawns. And now you're doing the, you're doing, you're taking the words. You weren't watching me, were you? Are you, are you? Oh, I'm reading your mind. <laughs> yeah, well, this is incredible. And I do notice that things are so fast now. There's no time for personal, no time for thought even, because it's bang on to the next thing, bang, bang, bang. And there's things which are, Utterly and totally important, more important than physical things, and they've been dropped in this rush towards what? Right, multitasking, achievement, acquiring possessions, yes. uh, things. Uh, you lose when you die. <laughs> and 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 so I, I just like you just said, you were paralleling one another. Is that I came to realize during my Lyme journey, during that 10 years, you know, five years before I was diagnosed and five years of healing, that was 10 years of my life. I said, you know what? This is like a pilgrimage quest that I just walked, like a yes. sacred pilgrimage quest. Like I could have walked up into the Himalayas or to Lourdes or, you know, uh, this was a sacred journey I was on. As hard as it was, I got stripped to bare bones, I lost everything, I got down to what is the root of me. And I discovered yes. I am actually a very creative person. And I was not using my creativity. I was taking care of others. I was a healthcare practitioner, right? I was spending a lot of my personal energy caring for others, which is an altruistic thing. It's a beautiful healing, you know, to be a healer is a gift, right? But I was not, as you said, taking the time to just be with myself, to hang out on a lazy day in the hammock and read a book, right? Or watch the butterflies or just go at a slower pace. And like we were just mentioning, it's gotten more and more accelerated, like in the last five years alone. And what I say, very externalized. Doctor, fix me. So-and-so, feed me. Give me a medicine. Give me a plastic surgery so I can look better. You look at me this fancy car, this nice house, or blah, blah, blah. everything's all on the outside. And you know what? Inside, we have a treasure trove of inner 
beautiful gifts. We have all these innate gifts of, of vision, of intention, of creativity, right? Of intuition, like the eagle told me, of belief, of love, of compassion. And I feel like that's my, my miss, mission now is to help those that I, that I work with, that I touch, that I communicate with, that I interface with, that I, any way I can teach you how to use the inner tools that we're born with because our culture's gotten sloppy with it, like we just said. We've gotten too accelerated and too externalized and we really have this beautiful inner Eden inside of us, the sanctuary, of, of, and we need to nourish our sanctuary. Carmela Walker, she's um, a regular on the show. Um, she gives a very, very beautiful comment here. Mm. And if you excelled even yourself by your standards, uh, Carmela says, if we are allowing things to go so fast, um, that, you know, she's saying that that is an indication we're not spending quality moments in that present space that folks call time. <laughs> we're just going so fast, we can't stop and smell the flowers we're not uh reveling in the in the beauty that surrounds us I, and we're not seeing so very true thank you that's a beautiful comment it's true and you know i i discovered all those years in stillness you know that i was on my sofa <laughs> um is that i called it the art of being i i learned how to just be me like just be katina just be who I am. And in those times, I realized really in the art of being, what I really was all about was love. That's all I, all I could really do in those times of stillness was love my little boy, love the cute little Welsh corgi. Uh, even though my, our marriage had fractured, my stepdaughter would still come over on Mondays. Thankfully, I got to see her. All I could really do was love, to give love and receive love and, and just be in that, that act or art of being. And um, just like that beautiful quote, um, we just have to be present in the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. This, I think that's the best one done come with to date. I want to ask, Katina, you're a, a difficult question. Mm. Do you think that Lyme disease made you a better person? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, as frightening as it was, you know, um, and as much, I felt very betrayed, I have to say. I felt betrayed by a lot, in a lot of ways. I be, be felt betrayed by the medical system because no one picked up that illness for five years. I felt betrayed by my body right? Because I'd been an athlete and active and now my body was not responding even to the homeopathics. Um, and so I, 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 I struggled a lot, you know, in the beginning with those feelings, you know, of betrayal, of abandonment, of loss, of grief, of anger, confusion. Uh, but coming through the other side, I realized gifts were born. I learned to paint. I became an oil painter. I, I wrote a book, right? 
I really tapped into my creativity. I really became very present, like we just were talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, that whole fast pace, externalized thing, that was like ancient history for me. And um, it was hard for me even to embrace the digital age, to tell you the truth. I mean, I had to learn how to do it because it's a medium we all use now, right? But it was hard for me at first to em- embrace it. And I, I, my son, who's all grown up now, and he's 22, and um, I, I had asked him a couple years ago, actually, I said to him, you know, sweetie, when, when you were little, and I, and I was, you know, in bed all the time, and I couldn't come to school to your sports events, or to your poetry reading, or to the school play and stuff, I said, was that hard on you when I, when I, you know, was so sick? He goes, you know, mom, he says, I really never, never really saw you as sick. He goes, I just thought you were tired and that you got bad headaches. And um, he says, mom, I always knew where you were. You were always home and you were always so loving mom. And you were always so patient and you're such a good listener. And it didn't matter what I, I came in the door with from school, like if I was angry or upset or, or, or excited, he goes, you just always listen to me. You're always just so loving because I never would have traded you for any other mother. I said, really? I said, really, sweetheart? He goes, yeah. He says, don't worry about it at all. He says, you're just the most loving, most tender mom ever. Wise son. <laughs> A wise son. Well, he know. Well, the support he needed was the emotional support, not, not the physical side, or the emotional side. And you provided that, so. Yeah, and I felt like it was a real gift for me to hear that from him, and I feel like I understand it too for my clients that I work with, because, like we said, everyone feels like accomplishment and keeping things in order and um, achieving and acquiring is where we're supposed to be, but it's really not that. It's really all about what's in our heart. Yes. So Lyme made me a better person. It also expanded my soul and it also, it helped me drop the ego. Okay. Okay. Life's not about me so much anymore. You know, I mean, yes, I take care of what I need to take care of about caring for myself. But you know what I mean? It's not about, oh, Katina is this or Katina is that. Or, uh, no. <laughs> There's a lot of people viewing this video and will view it later on after we publish it who will be sick. As a, as a final shot, as the last word, what advice would you like to give these people that feel despair, feel lonely, hurting, Left, isolated. Mm. What would you like to give them? Oh, well, first of all, I have to say to all of you that are suffering in any form, whether it's a physical illness, an emotional state, um, a mental condition, you are not alone. Um, I am with you. My spirit is with you. I am a very expansive being now after this journey. And... Um, I totally can relate to your, your feelings and your confusions. And I, I want to remind you that you are very magnificent. Each and every one of us is blessed with 
an innate gift or multiple gifts inside of ourselves. And in this time where you're struggling and you're feeling alone or you're feeling scared or you're feeling despair, like John just said, I would like to teach you a small little exercise. If we could just take two seconds to do this little exercise, this healing exercise. Sounds very valuable. So take as much time as you need. So what I'd like to teach you is this very beautiful, simple gesture of self-love that is going to help you feel more comfortable with yourself. And it also ignites the mind, body, spirit pathway, which we just touched upon a little bit earlier. And if we can get that mind working in the positive vein, thinking positive thoughts, loving thoughts, we're going to produce positive neurotransmitters like the serotonin and the dopamine, the good, the happy neurotransmitters, which will upregulate your immune system. And it's been proven with epigenetic medicine, if you can get your mind, body, spirit pathway running with the positive neurotransmitters, your immune function is going to enhance and your whole, you can start to change your being at the cellular level. So let's do this little healing exercise, self-love exercise together, because this helped me in my darkest times. And I would like to give this gift to those of you that are struggling. So First, let's just, if you don't mind, close your eyes for a second and just put your hands over your heart and let's take our attention from our mind's eye and bring your attention from your mind's eye down under your hands into your chest where your heart is. And now let's just take nice, slow, steady breaths. We're going to take nice, slow inhale. We're going to do four of them. Four breaths, nice, slow and easy. In through your nose. Breathe in nice and easy. Bring that breath down through your throat, into your chest, under your hands, right there into your heart space. And then let's exhale out through our mouth. Okay, we're just centering ourselves. Let's do another three of these breaths that just center into the heart space. And now that we're down here with our heart, I want you internally to say hello to that heart, your beautiful heart. Say hello, heart. I love you. Beautiful heart, thank you for keeping me alive, for beating every day and every night, for circulating my blood, for helping me love, for helping me to care, for helping me to have passion and compassion. Thank you, heart. Without you, I would not be alive. And now we're going to open our eyes and we're going to do a small little exercise with our hands. Let's rub our hands together like when you're cold. Just make some friction. And now let's just hold our hands so that our fingertips are almost touching. 
And do you feel, John, do you feel energy in there? Oh, I do, yes, I do. Between your hands? Sure. Or by the fingertips, do you feel something? I feel a tingling, very nice tingling feeling, sensation, and warmth, and a bit of a pressure. Beautiful. Okay, so we're going to do this one more time. We're going to rub our hands like we just did. Okay. And we're going to make that little teardrop shape again. And I want you, either with your eyes closed or open, in that teardrop to put the image of someone you love very dearly right there in between your hands. Just imagine them right there between your hands. Now, what are you feeling, John? <laughs> what am I feeling? Well, I'm very close to this person. I love this person. And I'm, I'm, I feel a closeness to this person right at this moment. Beautiful. And do you feel that tingling between the hands? Does, do your hands feel different in any way? Are they moving apart or closer together? Or? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't feel, I suppose they're drawing inwards now. Inwards, okay. So some of us notice either that our hands are coming closer, like the fingertips are touching, like we're getting closer to that person. And some of us feel our hands like expanding with the presence of, of, that, of that loved one there. All right, so now we're going to do this one more time, okay? This little exercise, the rubbing of the hands. Okay. Rub them up again. Get some friction going, everyone. Okay. Now I want you to put yourself between the hands. Imagine you're looking at yourself face to face. And inside of your head, I want you to say to yourself, your name, I love Katina. Or you would say, I love John. This is our first gesture of self-love. And to finalize it, the way we can also do it, if you don't want to do the teardrop version of it, is you can rub your hands like we did and make that all that warmth of friction and just put it over your heart the way we did early on and just say to yourself, I love Katina. So you're get blessing yourself and you're, you are beginning the process of self-love and self-nurturance with this small gesture. And as I said, it starts us connecting. Remember how I told us to take our attention from our mind's eye and bring it down into the heart? That was a very simple early gesture of showing how we can use the mind and the body together, right? So I just showed you a little small exercise of taking the attention from the mind and bringing it down into the heart. And you remember we, we said hello to the heart and thanked it. Well, you can do that with any organ of the body. I think a lot of our viewers would need to stew over what you've said over the next few days because there is depth to it. I know that when you're, you're just touching on something which is much, much deeper 
some a lot of what you say i've also had personal experience and personal i've got you know very strong you- feelings in some ways and it's just telling the people that if you can visualize yourself in a position you can then put yourself there and um Kamla, Kamla, of course, she always comes up one above me. She says how you can actually exercise your muscles through visual thoughts. It's so amazing. But you, everything about you is your mind, your thoughts, your spiritual self. But the thing is, we're just not aware of it. But you can do exercises, do meditation, and bring yourself closer to um, that side of yourself. So that's great. Well, I agree. Yeah, well, it's been it's been fantastic having you on. I'm so pleased you made it back so I could say goodbye because that would have been terrible. We've committed such a thing. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you. I had a wonderful visit with you. Thank you so very much. And um, I I hope our audience um, learned a few things. Uh, those that are new to Lyme, I think they understand it's quite a treacherous illness. Yes. And I do want to do, I do want to mention one thing about Lyme disease that I, I kind of glossed over. I was, you know, um, very, very fortunate that I had such fantastic colleagues to help me through the illness with the natural medicine protocols, but for a brand new early infection, which is anything less than six months old, do not hesitate to get on the antibiotics. Okay. Do not. I mean, I tell that all the time to folks that I meet. If they just got infected recently within the past six months, take the antibiotics. Take the full six, eight weeks, whatever it is. It's doxycycline. It's not a dangerous antibiotic. This is a deadly, serious disease. So don't hesitate in the early infection stages. So I did neglect to say that. I just wanted to, to make a point on that. And as uh, for all of the beautiful mind, body, spirit work, um, you can visit with me. Um, you can find me at my website or on Facebook, Katina Macris, M-A-K-R-I-S is my last name. And um, I'm going to be doing more of these exercises that we just did the, a little one tonight together. Um, or I guess it's morning for you, night for me, right? Um, I'm going to be doing more of them online together and in, in, in different uh, uh, webinars and online formats so people can, can learn with me. Fantastic. Fantastic. I was going to ask yeah. you website and let's, let's touch on your books. Which books can people buy from which have been um, authored by yourself? Yes. Yes. So I have three books um, available. The first one is called Out of the Woods, Healing Lyme Disease, Body, Mind and Spirit. Um, And then that's my memoir. That's my healing journey. And it has a good section at the back too on diagnostics and treatment protocols. And then my second book is more medically oriented. Um, It's a healthcare book. It's called Autoimmune Illness and Lyme Disease Recovery Guide. And that touches upon all these conditions like lupus, fibromyalgia, um, MS, interstitial cystitis, Lyme disease, and I discuss each of these conditions and how we can improve our, our health and well-being with natural medicine. And also I have a good section on the mind-body-spirit medicine that we were just doing a little practice of. And then my newest book, I wish I had it right here in front of me, um, that's just coming out right now. Hold on one second. I might have a copy. Hold on. 
Um, here, let's see. <laughs> this one, can you? So, let's see if we can catch this in the in the in the light. Can we see? Uh, dark. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can we see it? Do we, yeah. I mean, Just hold it still. Hold it still. You're you're too dynamic. Okay. Be wonderful. Loving yourself enough to live. Oh, it's on the beach. Can you see that now? Yes. 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 So that's my newest book. Okay. Um, loving yourself enough to live. And that discusses a lot of, um, I've got a lot of inspirational messages in there and it's, it's a short, easy read. It's less than 150 pages. And um, besides sharing pieces of my story in there, there's some beautiful messages because you know, I crossed over to the other side, right? I shared that story in the beginning when I left my body and I crossed over and the eagle communicated with me. Um, I feel people that survive a near-death experience like that usually come back with some kind of either gift or extra sensory perception, some level of awareness or a channel is more open and available. So what happens to me often now in my meditations is a, a lot of information comes to me. I write it in my journal Yes. Because it's just kind of, it's almost like a download or something. So some of the more salient ones or the more uh, universal ones I've put, to, put together in this new book. Um, so they're beautiful little pieces to contemplate on, like we said, so we can have those, those quiet times and be yes. present with ourselves, like we talked about, you and I. Sure, sure. So I think it's a lovely book, I have to say. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time at State at Night um, to explain to us how people can survive life, but more than that, become better people, I guess, and, and learning about their inner self. So thank you so yes. much. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed this enormously. And um, um, let's stay in touch because I would love to visit again with you sometime. It's been a blast. It's been a, it's been, it's been a good one. Okay. Oh, thank you. Goodbye, thank you, bye. everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 okay. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for watching. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, <laughs> Bye.